I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, dammit! Ah, we'll have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You wanted your file? I found you your file. You wanted out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you no use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlet. I knows you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was gonna love me? Who, who was gonna make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets your shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost it right this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and hey, how the fuck are you? And my name is Colin Drucker, and you look really cool, Deb. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, an endless... Uh, list of quotes to choose from for this movie yeah that like most people many people may have not heard because this is a fairly obscure movie unfortunately uh but yeah we have our source uh but more importantly the movie in question is the movie that we put into the title of this episode you are not being duped you are not losing your your vision <laughs> You're not experiencing any hysterical blindness, except for our episode on hysterical blindness, the 2002 HBO masterpiece of an obscure movie. I'm so thrilled to talk about it. I'm so glad you found it. How did you just like have a Google alert for like hysterical blindness? I don't know. I don't know why I like searched for it again for some reason, and I don't know why. Maybe it was because we'd been talking about Uma Thurman and smash and I just like sure. my Uma meter was going off and I was just like, I just, I just need to check because th- the movie is not available on any streaming platforms. HBO max doesn't have it. You, you can find it on DVD and there was like some, you know, some, some kind of bootleg situation on YouTube in the past. And so I just did a little, you know, a little search in YouTube and there it was under the uh, Spanish language title of Caguera Histerica. Uh, and I thought, I know who she is. Um, that's hysterical <laughs> blindness. And uh, so not only did I find hysterical blindness, but it's hysterical blindness with Spanish subtitles. Uh, that's accessibility. I'm so glad you did. I mean, an hour and a half, hour and like 35 minutes, if we're being mm-hmm. like specific, but... Available for everyone, y'all. So I would, I mean, I would suggest watching it first before you listen to the ep. But yeah, I mean, there's no spoilers here. Uh, in a, in a way, there are, I guess. But what a movie! Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. The idea, like, a, I will put the link to this in the, in the description. So if you do want to watch this first, you can feel free to hit pause. You can watch the movie. You can come back, or you could listen to us now and then watch the movie and then come back. Just come back. Uh, yes. Not to sound like Debbie Miller, but like I just want to cook you filet mignon. You know? oh. <laughs> Uma Thurman, oh. she's sensational in this. It's it's really crazy that she didn't get nominated for an Emmy for this. I I know that um, Jenna Rollins did, or she won an Emmy for this. There's yeah. I'm glad that this got some attention. I am surprised. Well, she got the Globe, Uma Thurman did, you know? 
Yeah, it was weird. So at the at the Emmys, Jenna Rollins and Ben Gazzara won for supporting, and Juliette Lewis was nominated, and Uma wasn't nominated at all. And it was like you know Maggie Smith in my house in Embrya. I don't even know what that is. I don't even sure. care. Uh, I looked up who the other nominees were, and I was one of the ones was Jessica Lang in Normal. Do you remember the movie Normal? No. Oh my God! I looked it up. I was it's Jessica Lang and Tom Wilkinson who was in In the Bedroom. We love him. We love him. And it's a movie about this like mild-mannered little couple in like the farm country. And the husband uh, is transitioning uh, as a transsexual and is transitioning and, and, and how they navigate that. And, um, and she plays the wife. And I was like, Oh, that feel, I wonder what that movie feels like in 2022. I wonder. Yeah. That's a nice little nugget there. Yeah, so uh, so indeed, Uma was not nominated for an Emmy, but then at the Golden Globes, she won, and uh, I'll take it, you know? I'll take whatever recognition, because sure. this is just an incredible performance. It is. It's so—I mean— do you want to give our, our listeners a little bit of a summary first as well? I, I yes. Like you're good at it. You're better than I. Go oh, oh, you're, you're too sweet. Um, I, the only reason I, I might have a leg up is because I've watched this 8,000 times. Sure. And so, like, I know this movie by heart. I There have been so many times I've been Debbie Miller, you know, that I, I know this movie deep down. Uh, this is indeed from 2002. It's based on a play by the writer of the movie, Laura Cahill, who also plays one of Debbie's co-workers yes. at the factory. Um, I'm so glad I don't have to sit in that shithole with you anymore. I think there's one of her lines. <laughs> and um, Debbie and her friend Beth, uh, it's like, you know, 1980s New Jersey. They live in Bayonne. Debbie lives with her mother, uh, Virginia, played by Jenna Rollins, and Beth, lives with her daughter, Amber Autumn Tachinsky. Oh there. my gosh, I love that name. Amber, <laughs> hello, Mrs. Miller. This is Amber Autumn Tachinsky. Oh my God, amazing. Yes. Um, but it's really just this kind of slice of life of these two girls that are probably in their mid-20s at this point in New Jersey. Uh, you know, a bit of arrested development. Beth had her daughter very young, um, you know, at 16. And so her life has kind of been dictated by that. And Debbie, you know, I think Debbie has kind of never really healed from her father leaving when she was 13 and has been spiraling ever since. And they does most of her spiraling at Ollie's, which is the local bar, uh, a real, a real sad state of affairs where Debbie, you know, according to Beb, Beb, Deb has like (laughs) slept with half the guys. And Debbie is, Debbie is, oh, Debbie, Debbie is just like the Tasmanian devil. She just can't stop herself. She is just desperately spinning for validation and um, for any scrap of love she can find. And one night, she gets the smallest scrap from Justin Chambers, Grey's Anatomy <sighs> alum. Uh, I didn't want to tell you that. I, He's I got wasn't... Patrick Swayze eyes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Hey, you got Patrick Swayze eyes. Uh, <laughs> Rick, you know, is Rick being there for you and your family? Um, and she got to know. I just got to know. Um, uh, is, is Rick being there for you and your mother? And so, uh, she falls for Rick and, you know, uh, not only did she experience some hysterical blindness at work, some sort of medical condition brought on by stress, but it's certainly also her hysterical blindness around 
how little Rick is giving her and how desperate she is to believe that he's the man of her dreams that's going to carry her, if not out of Bayonne, at least to a nice house with a deck. Uh, I know. It's like you're just, there's so much to unpack from that description alone, too. But I, I just feel like they're almost like middle schoolers. There's so much like Anna and Maya from Pen15 energy in yes. between the two that it's especially with Debbie. And, and Beth is like, it's like she grows up a little bit more because of Autumn. But we, but even with that, it's like she's still playing. She's still going to play the game with Debbie. She's still going to go out. But, you know, the first time they go out, like Beth wants to leave early. And then eventually it's the other way around, too. But, oh, my gosh. Well, you're, I just, she doesn't know to just be herself. If you just be yourself, you're going to do fine. Yeah, I think, you know, we see so many moments where Deb is, I mean, maybe maybe more so towards the end before she runs into Rick again. You know, we'll get to that part, but like there are these moments where you see Debbie for who she is when she's not spiraling. And, you know, and certainly by the end, like we see that she's she's a really nice girl and like there's a there, there's some real sweet qualities there and even like with rick and the ways that she's trying to you know get his attention and try to like show interest in his life like debbie's heart is in the right place but her heart's also been broken and you know it's also in a number of places you know and and it does totally feel like pen 15 like the parallels between anna and Debbie are yes. scary. Like Alex really... Nolan. Alex oh Nolan. Oh my is God. Rick. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I agree. I think Beth, meanwhile, while she is still in this same world with Debbie, like Beth had you know, she had to grow up. She you know, had to raise Amber Autumn. And like we don't really know like what she does for a job. We don't know much about Beth's life outside of like the time she spends with Debbie, but like She's making it work. She has her own place, you know? Yeah, it's, um, there's a point in the movie where Beth disappears for a good amount, and I missed her. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm, even though it is, you know, Debbie's story, I, I, I wanted a little bit more of the duo, but I think it's all about, like, friendships sort of evolving in that way, because I think that Beth really isn't the best mother, but like you said, she's making it work, and we get, I think that moment where, you know, Amber Autumn calls uh, Beth's parents, I think, in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- it's sort of like a wake up call for her. And I think she has she learns to enough is enough in a way, even though she still wants to be there for Debbie. And, um, you know, it's like, the you know, the fan fiction I'm writing about Beth in my mind of like, what's going on when we're not seeing Beth during that time when in the movie that like brief stint. Yeah, I think that, like, I, I, yeah, I'd love to know, like, what Beth's story is. Like, even when we see Beth without Debbie, we see a different Beth, you know? Like, Beth can see that Debbie's a mess, you know? And she can yeah. also see that Rick is not interested in Debbie and, in fact, is actually more interested in her. Yes. And, like, I, I think there is this line that she has to walk where she needs to be Debbie's ally and, and almost, like, try to protect her in some ways. But, like... It's it's at the cost of her own life. And, you know, yeah, she she can't she has more reasons why she can't keep doing this, you know, whereas Debbie doesn't have as many reasons to stop coming to Ollie's, you know? Yeah, it's like she I mean, pun intended, I guess she's blind to the fact that she 
I guess she just doesn't, she doesn't see anything except like, I got to land a boy. Like I want to date a boy. I want to get married. Those are her goals. She doesn't really care about her job that much and anything else, but she does care about Beth, but she's kind of selfish in her own way. You know, even that like line, the line that I laughed so hard at, she's like, I don't think you should go to a place like Ollie's with me and act like this. Oh, <laughs> like when she I wasn't know. paying attention to her. Oh she's, man. She's very needy. Super yeah. needy. And that, you know, it's interesting because I've watched this movie. I think I first found it because it, it came out in 2002 uh, when we were in college. And I, I think maybe very quickly after that, I, you know, found it and tracked it down and got the DVD. And I feel like this has been Debbie's been a great character to kind of revisit over the past 20 years, because I think when I first started watching this movie closer to college, I I had my own blindness to just how desperate and and pathetic and needy and unhealthy Debbie was. And yeah. every time I watch this now, and especially this most recent time, I can just see of like, oh God, Debbie, this is not good, you know? And you're a mess. And you are not just like a sad mess that I feel bad for. You're like a mess that like I get frustrated with, you know? Like you're overreacting. Like there's something, you know, I feel like if Debbie was growing up today like she'd be diagnosed with something you know what i mean yeah yes 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 i oh gosh it's and no one is there everyone in her life sort of enables her in one way or another indirectly but no one no one stands up to her even uh amber autumn <laughs> take a drink uh-huh. of how many times we've said her name i can't believe we're mentioning her name so much but um, oh i love it of how um debbie showed up and amber's i did love this though like the it just go it like gives a little bit of texture of like their friendship is, um, you know, she pulls up to Beth's house and she's like, go get your mom. And then Amber Autumn goes in and she's like, she doesn't care if, she, if, you, if you're mad, you're going to go. I forget where they're going. Are they going somewhere? To the diner. That's right. Yes. The diner. And, and she, I think Amber says like, you know how she is when you keep her waiting. It's just that everyone knows that she's a ticking time bomb. Yeah. You know how impatient she is. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also I just love, so like that scene is that you know they they go out the bo- to the bar the first night and then yeah uh De- beth spends too long talking to bobby and uh you know debbie is feeling left out cuz you know, so she you know storms out of the bar and then they get into this fight outside of the bar and i did take a little bit of a clip because this yes. is uh one of my uh one of my favorite clips here we go did i did i upload it hold on i'm going to upload it um, cuz i also have like a small clip from it as well. The first um, like 15 minutes of this movie are just like, it's heaven. Yeah. Like, oh, they, cause they, it, the hairspray, they're getting ready. They're going to the bar. Okay. We're going to get a shot and then a beer. <laughs> yeah. Get a shot and a rolling rock. Like, oh my it, God. Oh, and the it. fact that Debbie gets upset because they make a plan <gasps> in the bathroom yes. to get a shot and a rolling rock. And then they get to the bar and, and Bobby's like, what do you have? And Beth says, uh, well, she's going to have a shot and rolling rock. And, I'll have something sweet, maybe a sex on the beach. And Debbie is offended. <laughs> we had a plan. It's so good. It's nuts. And so, yeah, like the flirting with, with Bobby culminates and Deb storms outside. And then uh, this this little moment. You are really belittling yourself. Belittling? Big word, Deb. You are. I mean, you throw yourself at every guy you see. Oh, my God. You should talk. You've been with half the guys in there. I want to go home. Now? Yeah. 
No, I don't want to go home now. You always got to go home early because of your kid. And I always I'm go. not finished talking to Bobby. Oh, my God. I mean, Beth. I love that drunk girl fight. I'm not finished talking to Bobby. I think of Jill Zarin, you know? Yeah. Oh, my God. Ta-da. I got to call Bobby. I'm going to have a heart attack. Um, I also like I'm so happy that we are talking about this movie because one of my favorite movie quotes ever. This is not just because we're talking about this week. I've always loved big word, Deb. It's big so word, good. Deb. I love it. <laughs> big word, Deb. And so, yeah, then, you know, they get into this huge fight. And then the next morning, Debbie just shows up and honks the horn, doesn't even come in. And Amber has to do the bidding between these two grown children. And Beth's on that couch, that amazing couch. Oh, which I, I read in the trivia was like furniture that was in that apartment that they were, the, the filming location. They're like, oh, let's not change this. This is that. perfect. Yeah. It is so perfect. I want yeah. that couch. Right? I mean, it's great for the dog, you know? Yeah, it is. One of the things I love about this scene is when Amber Autumn blows the bubbles into the car and the way <gasps> Debbie like snatches at them with her hand. It is one of my favorite things that Uma Thurman does. She just kind of like claps. She's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. It's so, I laughed so hard. I think I rewinded it a couple times. It's what a so choice. funny. It's such a great <laughs> choice. Um, and, it, you know, speaking of choices, it's, it's, I think it's worth mentioning here that the movie is directed by the director of Monsoon Wedding, Mira Nair. I know. I love it. So many. It's like it's been so long since I've seen Monsoon Wedding, too. But I feel like I I can I can feel her directing style in this movie. There is. There's definitely I think she's using the same cinematographer. Like There's the same kind of like somewhat handheld camera feeling and sort of like there's just like an an energy to it. And I just I've also always I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be pronouncing it Nar or Nair, but Uma Thurman in her Golden Globes acceptance speech said Mira Nair. And I would imagine that Uma would have known at that point how to say the woman's last name. Same. I was stressing about Jenna Rollins and Gina Rollins, but I think on Lady Watch, they clarified that it's Jenna after a very long time. I've heard both, but I've always thought it was Jenna. And so... Uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. I think, yeah. She said Jenna in her speech, too. Oh, then we're going to just follow Uma. I'm going to give it all to Uma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, which does bring us to when, as they go to the diner, I, this is not where we first meet, but this is where uh, Debbie, Debbie's mother, Virginia, works at the Sky High Diner. And I just... It, it, it just... To Jenna Rollins is like a legend and I just feel like we I don't think we've ever talked about her on this podcast before and I'm just so happy she's in the conversation I know I feel like this is our Jenna Rollins era and I'm I'm here for it I feel like it's it's about damn time as Lizzo once said yeah yeah she's amazing I mean she's uh well she was in Hope Floats so if we ever do Hope Floats there it is we could do that uh (laughs) though I mean it's more of a best actress kind of discussion but there's this movie because she was in she and Ben Gazzara were in a bunch of John Cassavetes movies and I think she was even married to John Cassavetes and he played Guy in Rosemary's Baby which you hate so (laughs) (laughs) Um, wasted no time saying yeah wasted no time on that (laughs) and so she and Ben Gazzara were in a bunch of his movies and there was one that she was in called a woman under the influence that she may have even been nominated for yes, an oscar yes, for yes 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 yeah that's the one um, that i've seen the clips from and i'm like i want to see that you know the thing is i've started a couple john Cos- john cassavetes john cassavetes movies they're i mean they're very much like early independent movies they've they're out of the studio system and whatnot i found 
them hard to get into for some reason. Like there's another one called opening night that I started watching that I think she's in as well. And they're long and they just, there's a certain like languid pace to them that just feels strange. I don't know, but I want to try again. I feel like this would be a good movie to have uh, under both of our, our belts, so to speak. Yeah. I feel like she's one of those actresses that, um, uh, that TikTok account huge as mammoth films Mm -hmm. um, was she, or they love Jenna Rollins. And I, with all the clips that they put on their TikTok, I was like, I'm, I'm, I sold. It's like, I think that they're really big fans of like Jenna Rollins and, um, oh my gosh. I want to think of this one myself. I can't believe yeah, I'm blanking course. on this. <sighs> Grace and Frankie, but not Lily Tomlin. Oh, the other one. <laughs> the other Do you one. want any hints? No, go for it. I'm, I'm oh, losing my mind. Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. There we yeah. go. Because I've never seen Clute or anything. I haven't seen Clute either. That yeah. one has been a big omission on my list. I feel like I, for some reason I've just been sitting on Clute. Uh, and then, of course, there's Brady 80 coming out. Brady 80? Oh, is that that movie with all the uh, with all the ladies? Yeah, you sent me the oh, trailer. Brady. The way that like I was picturing Brady 8, I pictured the word like A-T-E with like a dash and a Y. I was like, what is Brady 80? Oh, like as I said, that's what that's how it visualized in your head. Yeah, I don't know why. I just I, yeah. I didn't even look at the title of that movie. I was just like, send. But it has Rita Moreno, uh, Jane Fonda. It's just like, like you said, it's like Book Club 2.0, but uh, it has some meat on it, I think, you know? Yeah, Sally Field's in it. Yes. Um, yeah, it's what is it? It's... Uh, it, it's both Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, right? Yeah. I'll look it up and as then, we talk, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then uh, Rita Moreno and Sally Field. So instead of Jane Fonda and th- three other ladies, it's Jane Fonda and these three ladies. So Yes. Oh, it's 80 um, for Brady, but, I mean, no, same difference. Oh, 80 so. for Brady, Brady 80. See, this, 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 this title's terrible, by the way. <laughs> Oh, Harry Hamlin's in it. Do you know Harry Hamlin? Oh, I do know how. Yeah, you know, let's not talk about the husband. Yes, you know? uh, Bob Balaban's in it. Oh, I love him. Yeah. Any other good ladies? Any other women? Sarah Gilbert's in it. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, Sally All Kirkland's right. in it as well, too. Oh, Sally Kirkland. We need more Sally Kirkland in our lives. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, yeah. so then there's that. But Jenna Rollins is not an 80 for Brady because, no. wait, she's not dead, is she? She's not. She's still alive. She's born in 1930, I think. I saw that and I was like, whoa, oh. she's still kicking. Still kicking. Good for her. Anything recent? No, I good. I hope, so. she, I hope she's just resting. That's very, yes, I hope she's just. She worked hard enough. In bed somewhere. Yeah, she definitely. Yeah. But not like a bad bed, like a like a comfortable bed, oh, like yeah. a craftmatic. She's sitting up. Oh, yeah. I want that like now. <laughs> yeah as we're recording jenna rollins is sitting up in bed oh, me too <laughs> yeah hey listen this, this is it. the life i aspire to that's right um but indeed there is the subplot as well in the movie uh of uh virginia and her love affair or her you know burgeoning love affair with nick, nick played piccolo. by nick piccolo played by ben gazzara who, as uh, we both know, was a hottie oh back God. in the day. Oh my God, he was such a he and John John Cassavetes. I'm never he and John were but just dark and dashing. So yeah. and and you want a third Jerry Orbach? Oh, let me see. I could picture him already because I feel like I remember him from Forty Second Street. But yes. Oh God, he was so hot. I hope I'm not wrong. He was so hot. Let me look him up. I'm looking him up. Yeah. Well, you look him up. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Whoa. I just want all of them to just like 
method act at me. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Or fuck me. Yeah, whatever. Either or. But I'll settle for method acting. <laughs> um but yeah, so there's this, you know, little love affair between the two of them. And and it's interesting that watching it this time, there's like suspicions about Nick, like, oh, is he just kinda like you know, what does he want with her? And, you know, he finds out that she's got the money in the account and all of a sudden he puts a deposit down on like a mobile home in Florida. But I think it all pans out that like Nick really did love her. And, you know, there there was a chance for Ginny uh, or Jin to to get out of Bayonne and, and get to Jacksonville. But then unfortunately, like all love stories in this movie, it is doomed. <laughs> Oh my gosh, so much to say about the two of them. I love the conversation that they have at dinner where he says, I'd be honored if I could call you Ginny. And then she's like, can I call you Nikki? And he's like, yeah. And I just love that that was like sorted out on like the second date or third date. It's just so cute. They're like, I don't have time to play games here. I'm just going to call you this. It's it's really special. He's such a great dancer. Um, But I also just really love the parallels of, it's like, of like Nick and... um, Oh my goodness, I'm blanking now. Nick and Debbie, it's like if Debbie would have just found Nick a little bit sooner, he could have like talked some sense into her way earlier because Nick is doing it right. He's doing everything that Deb is doing for Rick, only he's like, I don't know. It's, it's, he's just, he knows how to do it and it's, it's all, he's doing it the right way and Deb is not. It's interesting that it's Nick and Rick. Yeah, I've oh, never I thought about that before. True. Yeah. Um, it's like nice and wreck. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know what? That is interesting. The way that like, you know, Nick is is uh, courting Ginny in a, in a similar way that Debbie's trying to court Rick. And it just, I, I think one of the most beautiful scenes in the movie is when Debbie and Nick meet at, at Ollie's during the day towards, you know, that uh, last scene they have yes. together. And I think to what you're, to your point, if only she had met Nick earlier in so many ways, if only she had a guy like Nick in her life at a younger age or had a dad like this, because like I there's, Oh my God, there's so much about Debbie and her father. And when I pieced together, I mean, it's all kind of in the dialogue her, I think she's 26. Now her dad left when she was 13. Um, Cause at some point, Ginny talks about, you know, when she was 15, 11 years ago, saving up for the coat, the, the winter coat conversation. And so, like, you know, Debbie, her father left. And as she tells Bobby later, like, she's come looking for him in this bar. You know, she's been looking for her father, quote unquote, for the rest of her life since then. And has never found him and all of the guys she went home with has never, you know, found what she's looking for. And I feel like in this conversation with Nick at the bar, when he's like... You know, you should go out and have good times. Like, you should have fun. And, like, a girl's like you, like, you's got to be careful because, you know, you're really smart. And it's, like, the first time anyone has ever told that to her. Yeah. It's, again, it's, like, too little too late of the, of the validation that she needed from just some male figure. But she's such a rebellious teenager about it. She doesn't even give him a chance at the beginning. No, I mean, it's, I, and it's, that's so interesting that like even his presence, she's like, oh God, this guy sniffing around. What does he want? Like she's barely met the guy. The, the fact that he parked in the driveway is like so symbolic of like, what are you doing in my space? I know. And she comes down the stairs. It's so yeah. funny. Yeah. Is that your, is that your whatever, you know, Chevy in my driveway? Uh, 
uh, and he's like, yeah, is that a problem? Well, it's, it is parked in my driveway. Like, she's such a, like, it's so symbolic of, like, the child being like, you know, stay away from my mother, you know? You're yeah. not my father. I know. You're not my dad, and you never will be. It's... yeah. The other things, the other parallels that I wrote down to is like, I think the scenes are almost right after each other, but maybe, maybe there's some, some stuff in between, but Rick and Debbie lying in bed and Rick says he wants to like, I want to put some French doors there. I think it'd be really nice. And then a few scenes later or the next scene later, Ginny talking about how she wants to fix up the living room. And just the fact that like Rick stands Debbie up and Nick stands Ginny up. It's, they're just like... I don't know, mirrors of each other in a way. I've of all of the years and times I've watched this, I've never put together that both of both couples have conversations about fixing up the home and making it nicer and like, you know, Rick's like, Oh yeah, I'm thinking of doing this. And she's like, Oh, that'd be nice. Oh, that'll be really great. Wow, that'll be great. And he's like, Yeah, you think so? All right, I'll have to show you some time. Like Yeah she's desperately trying to, you know, show interest in something in his life and he could care less. And then Ginny's talking about like, you know, uh, what she wants to do. And, and he thinks it's a great idea, you know, and like, and he's supportive and it's like, Oh God, I, Oh, that's so sad. And so interesting that like it, it, but it's not that Debbie and Ginny are in the same role in these relationships. Yeah. Ginny and Rick are being pursued. Ginny and Rick. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Debbie is not being courted right now. Debbie is Debbie is desperately trying to extract something from Rick, you know, and <clears throat> the only time she really gets his attention is when she tells him she gives an incredible blowjob. I know. Uh, it's it's even when she was like looking at like engagement rings in the magazine. Oh, uh. like, Debbie, slow down. It is like you're frankly, I'm surprised he stuck around that long to begin with. But like, I mean, and he stood her up at like the worst time. She made him such a nice dinner. Oh, I mean, it is really interesting, right? They have this like a night that could happen after Ollie's to so many people. She goes home with Rick to is like, you know, barely lived in house and, you know, gives him a blowjob and who knows what else happens, but yeah. they end up sleeping on the living room floor. So like it's nothing romantic. And then like the next morning, I mean, watching it now, like I feel like this was something I didn't register when I was younger of like, Oh God, Debbie, just get out of there. Just get out of there. Instead, she's wearing his shirt. Like she's wearing his shirt and she's like, Oh, like I'll set the table for breakfast. Like, you know, like just, the date continues and, and he's like, I know that this was over the moment the blowjob was over, you know? And the way that like, she's so hurt when she's like, why don't you want to lay in your bed with me? You know? And, and I really feel like he is like, he agrees to it and he like makes the conversation about the house and whatnot. Cause I feel like it's just giving her just enough to appease her till he can like get out from her grasp, you know? Oh yeah. Cause she, I mean, give her an inch and she'll, she'll take six miles. I feel it's yeah. like, I don't know if she tells Beth the next day, like Beth, we slept together in the same right. bed. Like, but she orchestrated it all. And she's like, I was wearing his, I don't think she says out loud. I was wearing his t-shirt, but like, she's, she's just like putting on this relationship drag and it's, it's like none of it's real. Yeah, I think she says to Deb, like, Deb, this is different. I didn't just fuck some guy. We slept together. It's those moments like that where it's like, oh, my God, Debbie. I mean, like, 
Debbie, that just sums it up. That just sums it up, Debbie. Yeah, and Beth's never going to be the one to say, like, snap out of it. Give her a slap. Right, right. Yeah, I guess, and I think Beth knows that she can't. She knows that if she pushes Debbie, and she has and does try to challenge Debbie, that Debbie will just either fall apart or fly off the handle. Yeah. So, like, she can't really ever give Debbie the tough love that she needs, you know? She can only, like, you know, because, of course, Debbie insists on making dinner for Rick on Wednesday night, and she's going to make him the filet mignon, which I feel like, I know people still make filet mignon, but I feel like growing up, like, in the 90s, I always thought of, like, filet mignon, like, jaja, you know what I mean? Like, it just felt like it's such a fancy cut of meat, you know? I know. And even, like, when she... Her, like, go-to lines, like, she, even, like, going up to talk to Rick, maybe not the first night, but, like, every consequent night, you know, like, she's always, she's doing that thing that I feel girls feel they have to do, which is just, like, laugh at guys' jokes and, like, agree, uh-huh. like, oh, I love sports. And wh- what's the line? She's like, me too. I'm I'm exactly like that. I'm exactly the oh, same way. Yes. She does those hands. Like, it's just. Like, it's gonna. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, but and, and on stupid things like, oh, I just, you know, I love to laugh at my buddies playing pool. Oh, my God. Me, too. I'm exactly the same way. Like, it's nonspecific, you know? Yeah. And I, it's just it doesn't work. It might with Yet, some guys, but not this guy, I guess, which I guess is a good thing. But he's toxic in his own way. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's there's the one night where, like, I mean, Debbie's trying to talk to Rick and Beth is just like. There's like even a, a cut to Beth being like, oh God, like she knows that Debbie is fucking up. And I think what's also really interesting that I, I picked up this time is the ways in which Debbie, like Beth has the confidence that Debbie wishes she had. Like yes. Beth has, Beth very easily flirts with Bobby. That There's that one night where Beth's just like dancing and Debbie's like, you know, huddled at the bar. And I actually took a little clip because they both say, or like on one of the less tragic nights when Beth is dancing in that blue, like leopardy print dress. Yeah. She's like, I just want to party all night. And then in the last scene when Debbie's super drunk and she's dancing around the, the pool table before she like, when she's trying to confront Rick again. And then she says, I just want to party all night. And I realized like, Oh my God, she's like either subconsciously or consciously trying to give off what Beth was giving when she was just dancing on her own, feeling sexy. Um, So I have a little clip just comparing the two moments. I just want to party all night. I just want to party all night. And like, (laughs) It's just, and when Debbie does it, it's so desperate. And when and when Debbie does it, one of the guys go, guys goes, "Oh well, well, it's a shame there isn't a dance floor here." Like they're just mocking her, you know? Oh, I know. It's just like she needs some therapy and 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 someone that just says, "Stop, just stop." Yeah, just stop. And I mean, it's it, it, you know, he he stands her up for the date, which is you know, it's so tragic. And then you know. Ginny and Nick come home from the Italian American club, but I just love when Nick's like, well, I'll eat it. Like, it's just, it's yeah. so what that guy would say. I'll eat, I'll it. eat it. You know, she's like, go to hell. <laughs> I love when she storms off. Yeah. Go to hell. Oh, uh, like limbs. Ugh, I love yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. It's like, I don't intentionally and unintentionally like her 
reactions to everything because she's an adult, but she's acting like a child. Yeah, she has very like hyperactive kind of reactions, and like you know, she'll she'll whip around when Deb when Beth says something, she's like, "Go, it's not like that." And that and her hair is always a mess, and she's always trying to crimp it in the front. And she could, and you, I just love that Debbie's hair is always terrible. <laughs> yes, what is the line? She's like, "Things don't bother me, okay? Things happen to me. Things happen to me." Oh my god! Like it's she's just main character syndrome is what it is. Yes. At like main, you know, main character victim, uh, and and it's like the sad part about that is like she is the only one who can pull herself out of this, and she is, you know, completely blind to that. Like, there's no one, no one is victimizing her, so to speak. I know Rick treats her poorly, but like she's throwing herself at this wolf. You know what I mean? She's like, please devour me, please ruin me. You know, but like. So it's not like she's being preyed upon by anyone at Ollie's. No one's paying any attention to her, you know? Yeah. Um, if anything, they're avoiding her probably. And so she's not being victimized the way she wants to believe. And she's like ref- completely blind to being a- able to pull herself out of it, except maybe towards the end. I, I, I love that, that it's a happy ending, but I also feel like, uh, well, Debbie's probably not done growing up, you know? Yeah. She, this is like fa- phase one. And there are yeah. 16 faces. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like this is, you know, maybe in her 30s, things will clean up. But um... yeah, because Rick, Rick is terrible, but he's not so terrible at the beginning. Like he's like, yeah, I'll go along with this. I'll invite you over. And it's not, you know, it's it's really initiated by Deb. And really until the end, when he kind of like throws her around a little bit and gets a little scary. But it's like. It's like she needs she needs like a metaphorical slap in the face, and he he did get violent with her too because she just wouldn't leave him alone, which is not acceptable, and he just like kind of leaves. But I think someone did need to shake her a little bit, you know, not not yeah. a violent shake, but I, she needed something to sort of. I guess she just needed to hit rock bottom in a way. Yeah, and and has she yet? Who knows? But I I think you bring up an interesting point. Like Rick is not. Rick is not a great guy. You know, he's not the dream guy she thinks he is. You know, like I love how her one coworker says, you met a guy with a house, you know? And there is that, that kind of like, ah, guy with a house, a guy with a future, things are happening. But like, again, he didn't pursue her, you know, like their, their first interaction that first night was him just kind of like, you know, she was making a fool of herself, you know, outside, like smashing the, the hairspray bottle. And he was like, are you okay? And I love that she was like, oh, no, my friend is just being a bitch. You know, like, she just, like, yes. he knows that she's kind of a mess from the beginning. And the scrap that he gives her that she makes such a meal out of is him just being like, hey, cheer up. Like, it just, he's not, he was never really leading her on. And I think that's something I really saw this time that, like, yeah, he ghosted on her for dinner. And, like, that sucks. And he should have just canceled. And, you know, it is, but, like, he didn't come over and like, you know, piss in the potatoes. You know what I mean? Um, He didn't call her and say, you're an ugly bitch. You know, like he just disappeared. You know, he just was like, you're, you're a red flag. I need to just not interact with you anymore. I need to just cut you off. There is a narrative where some would say that's maybe the healthier thing to do the way he did it, not being so great. Um, Yeah. But then towards the end, you know, it's like, I think one of the, another great scene is, you know, when she runs into him again at the bar and 
when she's super drunk and dancing around. And then uh, he's like, hey, you know, what are you doing later? And she's like, nothing. And he's like, you want to get laid? And she takes that like a punch to the gut. Yeah. Like she kind of like reels back and turns away. And it's a tiny detail, but I'm pretty sure when she turns back to face him again, there's a tear rolling down her cheek. <sighs> And then she kind of just like bites back the sadness and smiles and says, yeah, okay. And it is certainly a grim moment for Rick of like, oh God, dude, don't now like leave her alone. You know, don't, don't lead her on at all. Um, But I think towards the end, like even though he does push her a little, you know, push her around and gets physical with her, there's also a tenderness to it. He hugs her as well. I'm just glad it wasn't worse than it was because she could really fall for a terrible guy that is abusive both verbally mm-hmm. and physically and just like stay with him because of those like, well, he's, you know, he's, he did say cheer up that one time. He said he was sorry. Like what if Rick was the kind of guy to be like, well, like let me keep leading her on because it's easy blowjobs, you know? Yeah. Like he, he doesn't do that. And I think that's what makes this even sadder is the way that she kind of keeps throwing herself at him. Um What's interesting is, you know, two thirds of the movie are a little bit longer. You know, Nick Nick passes away, and um, and it's a kind of an interesting, you know, moment where he doesn't show up to pick Ginny up from work, and then Debbie is convinced that oh, I knew it, I knew this guy was full of shit. I think this is right after she ran into him at the bar, so she probably had the sense of like he's just some old drunk drinking at Ollie's in the middle of the day, and and then Nick dies, and which is a really sad scene for Jenna Rollins. Her sobbing into that coat was uh, like, I couldn't. Uh, it was so sad. I, I just love when she tells Debbie, I just got to make this list. I just got to make this <gasps> I list. Know. I just, uh, and the way she opens the kitchen cabinets and like leans in, like she's crucified between them. I know uh, it's, and that Debbie has no idea what to do. She, Cause like, yeah, she, she should be saying like anything anything i'm so sorry like he was you know we had a moment at the bar and he really was a good guy mom and but she she can't she does not know how to do it no and she just has to retreat to the basement and cover herself in cold cream while her mother sobs in the living room (laughs) you know and then you know they go to the funeral and you know uh she has that obscenely large umbrella and yeah and i love when they're leaving when they're walking away from the funeral did you notice when beth kind of like He's like, oh, what should I do? And then she kind of like quickly puts her arm around Virginia and then like brings it back again. It's this great little like micro moment of Beth's. Um, But after that, I feel like there's a very different Beth we see at Ollie's again. Or not Beth, excuse me, Debbie, that we see at Ollie's again. Like I feel like Nick's death like was a real wake up call for her. And I had forgotten that, that like that next time that they're at Ollie's and like you know, Beth's flirting with Bobby and Debbie is unfazed. Even her hair is better. And she <laughs> yes. runs into Carol Ann and they talk about Carol Ann's fiance. And Debbie's like, yeah, I've met him a few times. Like she is so cool and calm and confident. And I'm like, yes, Debbie perspective. Yes. And it's just, I think maybe, maybe makes it all the more tragic than that night. She then goes from like, Debbie back on her pins again to just a total mess. I know. I I also love just a side note. Um, when Bobby invites Beth behind the bar and she's pouring the tequila shot and she's like, "You're making me nervous." Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Bobby <gasps> is 
so hot the dream so, the dream the dream bobby played by anthony desando uh i love bobby i love how um there's this one shot when debbie is super drunk and she goes dancing over by the pool table and there's a shot and you can see the back of his head and him watching debbie through the frosted glass oh. and it's just so sad if like bobby has witnessed so many drunken antics at ollie's but i feel like He's probably seen Debbie be a drunken mess before, but this is maybe the worst he's probably seen Debbie. Yeah, there are layers. There's there's yeah. more to it. Yeah. Um, I do have this little clip of there, just, you know, a little moment between the two of them that I think, say, if you have not seen this movie before and you're just flying blind with us, I feel like this little interaction with between Deb and uh, Bobby is like perfectly sums up Debbie's backstory. Do you ever work here in the afternoon? Once or twice. So different, all men sitting around drinking. How do you know? My father used to come here. Oh yeah? You came here with him? <laughs> I came in looking for him. But he must have changed everything in his life because I never saw him. Shame, Dad. Another screwdriver. Oh, Debbie, another screwdriver. A screwdriver. Oh gosh, I yeah. can't remember the last time I've ordered that. Oh, she's gonna have such heartburn. I know. She's gonna say, but oh my god, get some vitamin C in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Debbie. And, you know, it's it just, you know, and I, I love the Bobby relationship. I feel like Debbie and Bobby have probably hooked up at least once or twice. Sure. You know? Yeah. I feel like um, he slept with every woman in that bar. Yeah. But again, it's like he's a little more interested in Beth. Like everybody, Beth says, like she tells Debbie in that that fight on the first night, like, I'm just trying to be everybody's friend, Deb. And I think that like... I think Beth has an easier time connecting with people. I think she's more comfortable in her own skin. I think because she's had to grow up a little bit faster, she's had to kind of get used to you know, get comfortable with who she is a little bit quicker and a little bit easier. And Deb just never got there, you know? And so I feel like it's interesting, these kind of like subtle moments where like Debbie is always kind of the like second, the second choice for most people. Yeah, and I mean it it's because of that codependency that like she she doesn't really have this is Beth, I guess. Beth doesn't have any other friends in her life besides Debbie that it's just kind of this toxic circle of friendship, but like they I don't know. She knows she knows what Debbie's like and she's just sort of adapted even though Beth is emotionally more mature. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting, right? Of, like, they probably still have, like, friends from high school or whatever who are still in the area, but, like, things are different. And, like, it's just not... That makes sense to me that, like, Beth probably doesn't have many other people in her life. And the reality is, Debbie probably doesn't want her to have many other friends in Yeah, her life. that's true. It's, like, one Debbie's of those... Debbie's probably very threatened, yeah. Oof. Well, you know, the thing about Debbie is... I'm aloof. I'm aloof. I, I, I'm aloof. That is, I, I have the larger clip of like that little monologue, but that is such a incredibly difficult line to sell and to make work and to still be funny in this moment. Uh, I just, it's so, here's the, here's the full clip of that. Yes, please. 
My mother says guys don't always know how to act, you know, around a girl they really like. She says you have to let guys know how you feel, so then they know how to act around you, you know? You know, she thinks that may be my problem. I I'm aloof. <laughs> aloof? Big work, though. Yeah. <laughs> I thought she was going to say it there. Big word, Deb. There it is. <laughs> Big word, Deb. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I just. That pause. It's so, that pause. And it's like, and the shot is just this close up of her face. And it's, I, I'm just, it's just so, I feel like it's such a moment of like writing, acting, directing of like, wow, you all figured out how to make that line work in that it is kind of funny, but like also kind of sad. Yeah, just the word aloof itself, like aloof with that like I'm Jersey a, flair is just, it's, yeah. it's, you're already halfway there. And the pause, it's all about that timing. Well, and it makes her sound like she's saying like, uh, you know, I'm I'm just aloof, you know, like, yeah, a you know, space. like, like a, a space loof. Yeah, one loof. I'm one loof. I wonder if Ben yeah. thought that aloof. Uh, aloof? We'll never yeah, know. exactly. Yeah. See, that would have been one of the, the directions. Have Beth go, what's aloof? Yeah. You know? you know, leading up to this episode too, I, I just feel like it's, it harkens back to like a Romeo and Michelle and, you know, there's shades of pen 15, um, just those like great, uh, like girl duo movies and TV shows that we love. There's so much, I was l laughing so hard within the first like 10 minutes of this. And I was, I, these girls are so funny and, but then it gets serious. I mean, it, it kind of, you unpack, a little bit with each of them too and then it kind of goes a little bit more towards debbie but in general too it's like this movie is so perfect it's like this perfect little package like you're gonna cry you're gonna laugh you're gonna get some great actressing and um and i'm and i'm glad i have more uma thurman under my belt i mean rebecca duvall mm. is one thing and i've seen the kill bill movies which i loved um but this is just, it's kind of like a different side of her that I never thought, I never thought she could be this funny. Yeah, I really, you know, I was looking at her IMDb. Her her career is so wackadoo. I feel like it, earlier, like in the 90s, like I feel like she had like, she was in like dangerous liaisons. Like she was in some like serious shit. And then like going to the 2000s, I was like, what is this my super ex-girlfriend shit, Uma? Yeah. What are you doing? And so I feel like her career is very strange. I w something else I've seen her in that I found her very fascinating but i don't really want to watch the movies again was the lars von trier movies necro necro not necro no uh nymphomaniac not necrophilia nymph nymphomaniac <laughs> nymphomaniac um no dead people have been fucked. Yeah, I was just gonna say. uh but she has a small have you ever have you heard of those movies the no, nymphomaniac movies no. oh god i mean i i can't say i recommend you know they, they if you want to see Shia LaBeouf's head digitally superimposed on a porn star's body so it looks like you're watching Shia LaBeouf have an erection and have uh -oh. sex that might be worth okay. your time. But I feel like there's some sexual violence or some self-mutilation or something that might happen at some point. So, like, do a content search. But I know Uma Thurman has a really fascinating role as, like, an ex-wife or a something like that. Um, anyway, the point being, she was incredible in that. And uh, I've always loved her in The Truth About Cats and Dogs, which is a very cute movie uh, with Janine Garofalo. I recommend. What was that movie um, that she was in? Was it? It wasn't Proof. 
right? It was that movie Tape. Tape? She was in something called Tape. Oh, maybe okay, maybe maybe it's called Tape, but I, it's a movie with Meryl Streep where um she's dating like Meryl Streep plays her therapist oh. and she's dating her son, but they neither of them know the connection. Yes. Oh my god, that's called Oh Jesus, it's going to drive me nuts. Don't tell me cuz I'm going to find it Prime. Prime. Proof Prime, Prime. Tape. Proof Prime tape, whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, indeed. Oh, she was in Gattaca. You love Gattaca. I love it. Yeah. Uh, and I've actually never seen Pulp Fiction. That's a huge omission. Oh, you my... should. You should. You've seen Pulp I Fiction. I have. It was like during when Keon was making me watch all of his movies. Or maybe I saw it without him, but I've definitely seen it. No, I definitely wow. saw it. I remember it now. <laughs> I remember it now. It's great. She's great. Yeah, so that I'll, I need to put on my list because I feel like she was even nominated for Best Supporting Actress for that. Yeah, I, I think she was. Yeah. Um, so uh, maybe that's where, you know, do you think that would ever make sense to be a movie we would talk about on this podcast? I don't think so. I mean, she's great in it. I, I feel like her total screen time is pretty limited from what I remember. I'll, I'll oh. ask Keon about it. But I, I, ask Keon. Yeah, I... She's great, but I think, you know, Kill Bill would be better, but that's like more leading actress stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's two and a half hours, so, yeah. you know. So that's a long one. Got to be worth our time, yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, Uma, Uma, amazing. This movie, I, I cannot sing the praises of this movie enough. I think it is so beautiful. I I think it's just such a great little slice of life, an amazing soundtrack of 80s music, and, you know, and the title, music is really beautiful as well yeah i i think it's a perfect little bsa movie i'm so glad that we finally tracked it down yeah i love these women and i love this movie yeah i love this movie so well thank you for for because i realized i guess i was editing maybe i was listening to our last smash episode and i remembered or i heard us talking about doing Miracle on 34th Street. And I was like, oh, I just steamrolled that. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I'm so glad you did. It was such a, a great But I, I I think we should still keep that in the calendar because I feel like even though that's technically set on Thanksgiving, I think within the next month, it's still applicable. Oh, yeah. Christmas. It's it's such a yeah. holiday movie. Elizabeth Perkins is great in it. And uh, Dylan McDermott. He's, it's like oh. peak Dylan oh, McDermott. Well, then, you know, put it on my Christmas list. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Well, uh, before both of our eyes just turn into a pair of raisins, uh, we've got one more (laughs) segment of this episode, uh, which, of course, is our BSA of the week in which we queen out on an actor, a performance, or a food, or a song, or a thing, or anything in our lives that is acting as the best supporting actress of our lives. Susie Banyan, baby, what do you got? (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking up to the sky and putting my hands together. Uh, I have a little bit of a list this week. Uh, The past couple weeks, I feel like I've just had Mm -hmm. one. Um, I will start with this first. I'm very excited for this. Um, It was kind of like a split, not a split decision. What am I trying to say? A very quick decision. Impulsive is maybe the word, which I tend to be. Um, There was a deal on a MacBook, um, like a, you know, like a new MacBook. I needed, it's like, I need a computer and I don't need a computer. I, the one I have right now is from like, I feel like it's a 2013 MacBook Pro and it served me well, but it's slowing down. And of course, Keon's like, you should go to the Apple store and just get it like fixed. And I'm like, but I don't want yeah, to, you of know? Of course. So I, 
um, found one today. And the cool thing is not only is it on sale, it, I think it's like $400 off um, because of Black Friday deals. Uh, New Hampshire doesn't <gasps> have sales tax. So I am saving probably about at least a hundred more dollars I'd feel mm. on tax. So uh, picking it up tomorrow afternoon because I'm working a half day um, and I'm super excited for it. So a future BSA of the week, but my, my new MacBook, I'm so excited. Oh, that's so exciting. And you know, at this point, yeah. why why tune up a 2013 MacBook? Get a new one. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm making some money these days and why not? I, uh, I think it's, it's good to buy yourself something like this. And it's, you know, it's not like I'm just, ha I'm, I'm right. using it. I'm using it for podcasting, for voiceover stuff and just you know, anything else that pops up. So it's not like I'm just buying a computer that I don't use and it'll last me for a while. So I'm super excited mm, for that. Oh, good. And, um, the other thing that I'll say real quick before my BSA of the, of the week is uh, Keon and I are in New Hampshire for Thanksgiving, and um, we rented a car. We rented a Ford Escape, Ooh. and it has heated seats and a heated steering wheel, which I never thought oh, I needed. Wow. But once I have it, I'm like, I can't go back to my Chevy Impala Oh, my this. God, right? I feel like the Flintstones car after this. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Just a rusted old yeah. bag of tin i uh but i it's been really nice i love an suv i love driving them and uh and i drove the whole way up here we split it up in two days but um it's been really nice driving that around so that's been bringing me a lot of joy oh good well that's i feel like that's a you know a, a fun part of of traveling it's like ooh, let's rent a car what are we gonna get what are we gonna yeah. get who are we gonna be on this trip you know we we almost got like a Chevy Trax, which is fine. No shade to a Trax. Keon's parents have a Trax, but it's it's not a Ford Escape. Yeah, so, right. Uh, you know, it's it's nice. So I was I was excited for that. But those are my first like two runner ups. But what do what do you have on your end? I think I've just got I just got a couple. I think. Um, there's two movies I'll say there's one that it just I kind of enjoyed but you know I'll put out there it's you know it, it, it's a little late for spooky season but also like you know be bold you can watch spooky movies whenever you yeah, want who cares? uh so what who cares and so I watched this, this movie from 1980 I don't think it has like many good reviews and I I have heard of it and I've just been like sitting on it for however long since I However, whenever I saw it in the video store as a kid and never rented it, I finally watched it. It's a 1980 movie called The Hearse. And, and it's about like this woman who like moves into her aunt's old house in the country and all, the whole town is very weary of her and the house might be haunted and then some strange guy keeps showing up in a hearse and... You know, and it's like I, I it moves a little bit slowly, but I felt like every scene had something marginally creepy or at least some good music. And and it just had this like 1980s kind of movies from like the 70s and the 80s can sometimes be, just be very brown, you know, like shades of brown yeah. and earth tones and like really rich reds. And I just like my parents carpet. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. And I just feel like this movie was basically like the film version of your parents carpet. And I just settled yeah. into that, like that feeling, you know, um, it was creepy. I don't know. You would probably like it. it. I don't think it would ever any, at any point be too scary for you, but I, um, I don't know. It just gave me that, like that feeling of like, Oh, I'm just like cuddled up in an Afghan blanket on a, on a yeah. fall night watching the hearse. I love that. Yeah. Um, it's a vibe. 
And then my other one, my 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 actual BSA of the week is um, I decided I'd, I'd found it on YouTube and I had it sitting on my watch later list. And I finally was like, you know what? Let's just watch this till I get bored. And so last night I watched the movie Shit House, which was which sounds terrible, but it's uh, the movie that Cooper Rafe made before Cha Cha yes, Real yes, Smooth. Yes. And, uh, you know, I think Cha Cha Real Smooth is a tighter movie. It moves a little bit faster. It's got like a little bit more meat on it. But it still was a really good little movie and told a really sweet story about a guy who's just like struggling to make friends in his first year of college. I love that. I love that they're I, I want him to make like eight more movies. I feel like we need more Cooper Rafe. So I'm glad that it's it held up in a way that was still, you know, uh entertaining or at least as entertaining as cha-cha yeah i mean he's cha-cha for sure he's yeah i mean cha-cha we just call it cha-cha here uh you know he's very charming there's great mom acting there's some great mom scenes like he calls his mom a few times and like there's some there's an interesting scene towards the end similar to cha-cha real smooth when he tells his mother i just feel like i need to tell you that i love you you know he does that Mm. it's interesting like what he did a little bit of in shithouse and then carried over and expanded into uh, cha-cha real smooth. I, I, it really just made me appreciate like the, there's a, there is a certain sensitivity to him that I really am just so gooped by. And um, yeah. so it was a sweet little movie. And so if anyone who's listening, who really liked cha-cha real smooth and wants some more Cooper Rafe, uh, just go look for shithouse on YouTube. Oh, I love that. Every time I hear the word shithouse, I think of, have you seen Robin Hood Men in Tights? Oh, like a million years ago. You spent HBO oh, as a so kid. Yeah. Tracy Allman is like the star and she plays a, like an old witch named Latrine. And uh, I forget the guy's name. He's like the king. He's like, I have a mole. Oh, um, yeah. That, yeah uh-huh. comedic actor that I can't remember. Um, he's like, Latrine, what a beautiful name. And she's like, I mean, shithouse. And just the way that she says it, she's perfect in that movie i we should do that movie oh that would be fun <laughs> we could do that movie i'm looking it up now i think it was um marla hooch is in that movie oh is she yes uh, some great men is it richard yes. lewis who plays the yeah richard, richard lewis. lewis yeah, yeah. He's so good yeah and i don't know like do you subscribe to mel brooks comedy yeah oh absolutely i mean you know i i think mel brooks is very I, i'm not like a mel brooks completist by any means like i have seen blazing yeah. saddles surprisingly enough um yes and it was really funny but like i i'm not anti-mel brooks and so robin hood men in tights i mean there is lady marion i guess amy yazbeck would be our bsa but there'd be tracy ullman patrick stewart Uh uh-oh dave chappelle's on it yeah he's uh, yeah i know you know i I, no comment (laughs) yeah sure, Uh, sure it will not stop me from doing robin hood men in tights yeah okay, uh, okay oh dick van patten eileen davidson's father-in-law is in this <gasps> jesus oh my christ god. if there was ever a sign oh my god oh my goodness oh my god this is there's some good laughs in there well we'll think about it we'll think about yeah, it yeah that'd be I a like fun this. change of pace for us yeah um i uh oh i forgot my my bsa yeah, okay. yeah. my bsa of the week i feel like you're gonna love this is a sandwich oh 
that I made today for lunch. Um, so as I said, we're in. <laughs> I know it's it's the little yeah. things here. Um, but as I said, we're in New Hampshire, and I, we were working. Keon and I were both working at uh, his brother and sister in law's today, Kibar and Beth, and they always have great food on hand. They have great snacks because they have two little ones. Um, but you know, she kind of Beth always stocks the fridge. It's nice. There's like fresh lunch meat, and like you know, uh, she got like this amazing bread. So I toasted the bread in their little toaster oven, not little to- little toaster oven. It's like state of the art sort of it like air fries and dehydrates and all that stuff. Um, and then I put like some uh, turkey on it and it was like the good sliced turkey mm. from the deli and then some Swiss cheese. And I just like kept that like open face so it would kind of toast on the outside, but like get a little bit of cheesiness on the inside and melty. And then I found like a honey mustard, like a sweet baby Ray's honey mustard, which I don't even think I knew existed really. Um, And then I put, I did put some spinach on it because Keon was yelling at me that I don't eat enough Mm. greens. (laughs) And I was like, fine. Um, And then I put some pickles on it. And then the best part was I put uh, not Pringles, but it was Lay's Stacks, Mm -hmm. S-T-A-X, I think. It's their version of a Pringle. And I got to tell you, pretty good they, they're thicker than a pringle they're saltier than a pringle Ooh. and i put that on the sandwich as well too so it was like crunchy chewy goodness it was perfect that sounds lovely that sounds like a really nice sandwich i feel like yeah. working a crunch into a sandwich is of utmost importance um is was there anything on the sandwich that you would have left out? No, no. I actually, I want to say that the pickles are a nice addition. I actually think in this oh, case, yeah. that's a nice, because I don't, I like a, like a, if I had like a ham and cheese sandwich, I wouldn't be mad at a couple like bread and butter pickles. I, don't, I feel like you don't like bread and butter. I don't though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll eat them. They're not like, I'm not repulsed by them, but the, the flat little, like they look like tongues, uh-huh. the dill pickles, uh-huh. the sandwich ones, those that's, I put two of those on. Oh yeah. Fit perfectly. But I, I'll eat a bread and butter every once in a while. Why not? You know, this is sort of related, but I got to tell you about the salad that I make. I feel like I'm Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> I've got the salad that I make all the time. Uh, <laughs> and so what I do, cause I find salads boring. And so it was like, well, you just, ha- you're just not making fun salads, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so I have come up with, so what I do is, you know, I get like a good, you know, a good like beefsteak tomato and I cut up some of that, uh, cut up yeah. some cucumber, cut up some, slice up some red onion. Those are the three base vegetables. You could add celery, you could add carrots, even like some peppers, whatever. But I find that like tomatoes, cucumbers, and red peppers uh, or red onions are, are, yeah, but the cucumbers, yeah, the celery is a nice addition. And then, and then I take a slice of sourdough bread and I slice it up into like larger, you know, pieces and I toss it in some Greek salad dressing and I put them Uh. in the air fryer to toast up. Whoa. Then I, I toss the vegetables in the bowl with black pepper uh, Parmesan cheese, and then this Ken's Greek salad dressing, Greek vinaigrette. Ken's is so strange. good. Ken's Greek is so good in the blue and white bottle. And then once the, the bread, they're not croutons, they're like breadcrons. Uh, once Ooh. those are like, because they're, they're like oversized croutons, once they have got a good brown on them, but they still got a little bit of give, I toss yep. them into the salad and mix it around. And what's nice is that even if the breadcrumb, the bread, the, the bread pieces are a little well done, the dressing and the vegetables will soften them up. And so you get this like 
amazing salad with big chunks of bread in it. I love this. I, I don't know if you said it already or maybe I was I, I missed it, but what kind what is your lettuce base? What are you using? There's no lettuce. Oh, there's no, no lettuce. Because lettuce, it's just veggies. It's just Almost veggies. like a panzanella. It's, like a, in a it's way. basically Gordon. a panzanella. It's a panzanella. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I just yeah. I love that too. It's I love that. so good, and I crave it. So I'm like, okay, now we've landed on something, and it's a lot of veggies. I'm like, oh, this is a like when I make it, I'm like, this is like a I could serve this to a couple people, but it is so good, and then it's all about the distribution to make sure that you've got like you know a crouton and a veg you know what i mean like i don't want to get yeah, to the, the end perfect bites. I need, yes perfect bites to the end um <laughs> you don't want to pile of red onions on the bottom oh exactly the exactly yeah. or i get yep. to the end of- and they gotta be thin they gotta be they thin, be thin. yeah and if i don't have yeah. any bread or any croutons to go with the last Oof. bit of vegetables why am i eating the salad yeah that's that's sad yeah <laughs> uh so i gotta say that is like my go-to if i was making a salad for like dinner for people to come over that's what i would make that's cool. You should get on like salad TikTok. Ooh. There's some really great stuff. Like Fake by Melissa is great. She's the one who had that like viral like cabbage with the green goddess oh, dressing. Like right. she ma- everything is sort of just like, what do I got in my refrigerator? And she chops everything the same size. But there's someone else. Oh, I should give her an, uh, like a shout out. I can't remember her name, but I feel like her name is Christine. Christine Cooks. I'm going to, that's not like her actual last name, but um, oh, Christine's underscore. No, that's not her. No, nope. <laughs> that's totally nope. someone else. Oh, I wish I could give her a shout out next, next week. week. She makes she makes a lot of really good baked salads, which sounds Ooh. it's like it's a lot of kale. Like she's like baking like quinoa to like crisp it up a little bit. It's it's great. Some of them are a little involved, but I love watching it too, and especially like fall winter salads. Mm. I'll send you because I could see like some roasted vegetables in a salad could be yes. Yes. Ooh, yeah uh but i think yeah the, tr- right. the trick was like what uh, what's my favorite part croutons let's you know turn up the volume on the croutons you know oh yes yeah. i i wholeheartedly agree you gotta have a little bit of a carb in there yeah and it comes out to like one slice of bread so it's not even you yeah, know what i mean it's like right. big deal um so anyway uh did you have any other bsa's no, that sandwich was it. I, I mean, how you know how how do you top that except with some you know not bread and butter pickles? Um, <laughs> well, that's good to know because we are currently being played off. I think this is some hysterical blindness music, which they got nominated Ooh. for an Emmy for. I think they got nominated. I think for opening title sequence. I love that category. So we are using that opening title sequence nominated music to play us off. Uh, But uh, where can folks find more of you? They can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is back in business at long last. I'm doing a supersized Thanksgiving episode this week. Um, So tune on. on? I was going to say tune on in. Mm. Uh, Tune into that. Uh, And you can also follow me on Instagram at Nick Kachanov. Well, correction, they won the Emmy for their outstanding main title design. Oh, yeah, because it won three. One for Ben. Ben, one for Jenna, Gina, and Gina. Jaina. And, Jaina. Uh, and, the, and the quartet of title designers. So beautiful um in any event you can find me on my other podcast all right mary where we are currently covering dragula titans on the main feed and on patreon we're wrapping up drag race uk and then i don't know what we're doing i think christmas movies i think we're we're drag raced out so i think we're gonna i can't wait for that yeah or maybe it'll be on the main feed in any event oh my god 
pause the music. Pause the music. Wait a minute. I don't, I don't yes, mean to yes, be Francis yes. McNorman, but I meant to tell you this, but I'll tell you this on the air and like the seven people who listen to the end of this episode. Um, <laughs> I just saw that Jinx Monsoon is going to play Mama <gasps> Morton in Chicago on Broadway. At long last. I can't believe it took this long. Yeah. I was like, oh, good for her. So, I mean, talk about a BSA, you know, that's a BSA role. That's amazing. I would love to go see that. Yeah. To be honest. Well, the Hours Opera is starting next week and that's going to happen in January. So it's some for like six weeks. So like. Oh, my God. And then the light in the piazza is in February. I'm just moving in with you. Oh, my goodness. Marco, move over. Yeah, clean the guest room. Yeah. Marco. Oh my gonna god, I'm gonna put down the yoga mat and a pillow. Um, <laughs> but uh, okay, you can play, keep playing the music, keep playing us off. Okay, so okay, anyway, okay. anyway, uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore, and you can find both of us in a best supporting capacity at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at the BSA pod. We had so much, not necessarily emails, but or maybe we did about the uh, Suspiria episode. People love Suspiria. Mm, oh, God, I love Suspiria. Oh, yes. God, I love Suspiria. Um, great we might do another Suspiria episode. I might just force it. Like, let's just talk about it again. Uh, yeah. But... Um, more importantly or most importantly peel your goddamn peepers because we are covering the season finale of smash on patreon we are wrapping up 15 weeks of of high flying drama uh now is an absolutely perfect time to join us on patreon at patreon.com slash bsa pod where not only would you be getting early access to episodes like this they come out a few a few days early each week but You'd also get a whole second episode, whether it be the Best Sporting After Show and all of the archives or 15 weeks of Smash. Who wouldn't want that? I'm I'm genuinely very sad that Smash is ending. I know. I I don't want to talk about I it. I know. I, but we will talk about but it. But we will. We're about to talk about it. But I also was like, oh, my God. That was my last note. Yeah, oh, I heard the trill. I heard the trill. I heard the trill. <laughs> uh, and that... As they say, is that.